Hello, and welcome to the Wausau Community Theater podcast production of Bram Stoker's Dracula, adapted by Duffy Lovick, with revisions by Chanel Vopel and Casey Hofer, produced by Chanel Vopel, directed by Casey Hofer. This has been sponsored by Central Concrete Cutting and TDS Fiber. This podcast is a special fundraiser for Wausau Community Theater, which has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Please consider making a donation to Wausau Community Theater by going online to www.wausaucommunitytheater.org and clicking Donate. Whether you are a homeowner needing an egress window cut or a factory needing a 32-inch deep hole, you can count on the professionals at Central Concrete Cutting. As the only local union shop, they have offered the most comprehensive controlled concrete demolition service in central Wisconsin since 1997. Contact Central Concrete Cutting, a proud sponsor of Wausau Community Theater, for all of your concrete sawing and drilling needs. And now, Episode 2 of Dracula. The notes of Dr. John Seward dictated by phonograph. A strange and sudden change in Renfield last night. The attendant tried to encourage him to talk, but he was quite haughty. I don't want to talk to you. You don't count now. The master is at hand. For half an hour or more, Renfield kept getting excited in greater and greater degree. All at once, that shifty look came into his eyes, which we see when a madman has seized an idea. He became quiet and sat on the edge of his bed. How are your pets, Mr. Renfield? Have you been keeping good care of them? Bother them all. I don't care a pin about them. What? You mean to tell me you don't care about spiders? I decided to sleep this evening without Coral, the modern Morpheus. I heard the clock strike two when the night watchman came to me. He said that Renfield had escaped. I threw on my clothes and ran down at once. The attendant said that he heard the window wrenched out. He ran and saw Renfield's feet disappear through the window. I, too, crawled through the window and landed on the ground. I began to run through the trees and I saw a white figure scaling the high wall which separates our grounds from the deserted house of Carfax. I got a ladder and crossing the wall dropped to the other side. I could see Renfield and I ran after. I found him pressed close against the old iron oak door of the house. He was talking, apparently to someone. I am here to do your bidding, master. I am your slave and you will reward me for I shall be faithful. I have worshipped you alone and afar. And now that you are near, I await your commands. And and you will not pass me by, will you, dear master, in your distribution of good things? When we closed on him, he fought like a tiger. He is immensely strong, for he was more like a wild beast than a man. I have never seen a lunatic in such a paroxysm of rage before. He suddenly became calm when he looked up at the moon. It was a big bat, which was flapping its silent and ghostly way to the west. We put him in a straight waistcoat and he is now chained to the wall in a padded room. Mina Murray's Diary, 16th August I awoke with a start into darkness. I don't know what compelled me to wake, but a horrible sense of fear around me. I stole across the room and felt for Lucy in her bed. She was not there. I struck a match and discovered she was not in the room at all. I feared to wake her mother, who has been more than usually ill, 
so I put on some clothes and got ready to go look for her myself. I got the idea to check her clothes, as it might give some indication of her dreaming intention. Thank God. She cannot be far, as she is only in her nightdress. But I was wrong to be so alleviated, as I searched every room in the house but could not find her in a single one. Fearing the worst, I took a big heavy shawl and ran out. The clock was striking one as I was in the crescent, and there was not a soul in sight. I ran along the north terrace but could see no sign of the white figure which I expected. At the edge of West Cliff, above the pier, I looked across the harbor to East Cliff, in hope, or fear, I don't know which, of seeing Lucy in our favorite seat. There was a bright full moon with heavy black driving clouds which threw the whole scene into a fleeting diorama of light and shade as they sailed across. For a moment or two, I could see nothing as a shadow of a cloud obscured St. Mary's and all that was around it. Then, a narrow band of light, as sharp as a sword, cut through the ruins of the abbey and moved along the church and the churchyard. Whatever my expectation was, it was not disappointed. For there, in our favorite seat, the silver light of the moon struck a half-reclining figure, snowy white. I wasted no time to race down the steep steps to the pier and cross the bridge. The town seemed dead, for not a soul did I see. I rejoiced that it was so, for I wanted no witness to poor Lucy's condition. When I had finally toiled to the top of the steps of the abbey, I could again see the seat and white figure. There was something long and black bending over the reclined white figure. I called in fright, Lucy! Lucy! And something raised a head, and I could see a white face and red gleaming eyes before everything was obscured again by the spell of the shadows. By the time I reached the seat, the cloud had passed, and the moonlight struck so brilliantly I could see Lucy with her head lying over the back of the seat, and not another living thing about. I shook her awake, and she immediately put her hand to her throat, no doubt finally feeling the chill. Where am I? You were sleepwalking again. Here, put this on. You'll catch cold. I dreamt something so strange. Not now. We have to get you back. Fortune favored us as we didn't see a soul as we walked home, which Lucy was intent on telling me her dreams through her heavy breath and shivers. I thought it was a dream, but it all seemed so real. I only wanted to be in our spot, for I was afraid of something. I remember passing through the streets and over the bridge, and I could hear dogs howling. The whole town seemed to be filled with dogs howling all at once. And then I was sinking into deep green water and hearing a singing in my ears, as I hear there is for drowning men. Then my soul seemed to leave my body, and I was floating in the air. The West Lighthouse was right underneath me, then an earthquake, and then I came back to you shaking me. But I saw you do it before I felt it. I listened in quiet concern. I didn't tell her about the figure I had thought I'd seen. Could it have been just another illusion of the light? Hurriedly scrawled note from Mina Murray to Lucy Westenra, August 19th. Dearest Lucy, I am so sorry to leave so abruptly, but I have received word of Jonathan. My poor dear fellow has been ill. A letter was sent to me from a sister Agatha at a hospital in Budapest that says he has been there some six weeks with a brain fever. I am to go to him immediately and help nurse him back to health. Of course I will write you as soon as I arrive. Your loving friend, 
Mina Murray. Notes of Dr. John Seward. For some nights the patient has been violent all day, then quiet from moonrise to sunrise. I wish I could get some clue to the cause. It would almost seem as if there was some influence which came and went. He escaped again, and we found him in that deserted house, Carfax. Another note, Arthur Holmwood has visited me in my office today. The future Lord Godalming in a nuthouse? What is the country coming to? Jack, my good friend, how are you? A bit excitable around here, but uh, otherwise, I'm well. You know, if I'm to believe the papers, it would seem you have bested me. No doubt you mean Miss Lucy Westenroth. <laughs> Only being cheeky. Sincerely, hearty congratulations to you both. She, she's a fine girl. In any case, I heard our American friend made the same proposal. <laughs> Morris, yes. He's actually suggested the three of us get together at his campfire to celebrate my being engaged. Surely we must. The real reason that I came to visit you today is Lucy is ill. Ill? She has no special disease, but she just looks awful and is getting worse every day. I've asked her if there's any cause, but... Arthur, say no more. Of course, if she is ill, I will do my best to help her in any way that I can. Come around around two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Try not to alarm her mother, though. Poor thing is worse off with her heart. I understand. Sadly, I won't be there. I must attend some business with my father. But write to me in full by tomorrow night's post. Why me, if necessary? I found Lucy in gay spirits. I could easily see that she is somewhat bloodless, but I could not see the usual anemic signs. I've secured a few drops of the blood and have analyzed them. Everything is normal, but there must be cause somewhere. She says that she has difficulty breathing and that she has been found sleepwalking. I wrote vaguely to Arthur. I've decided to contact Dr. Abraham Van Helsing, a great mentor of mine who would come and help. He quickly answered by telegram. Then I have received your letter. I am already coming to you. Have rooms for me at the Great Eastern Hotel so that I may be near at hand. And arrange that we may see the young lady tomorrow. Van Helsing arrived and examined the patient. He is, I fear, much concerned, but he says that he must think. He began to chat with Lucy. My dear young miss, I have the great pleasure because you are so beloved. They told me you were down in the spirit, that you were ghastly pale. To them I say, poof, but you and I shall show them how wrong they are. Sir, if you please, I will find you in the garden momentarily. I waited for a little while when I saw Van Helsing approach. I have made careful examination. With you I agree that there has been much blood lost, but the conditions of her are in no way anemic. I must go home and think. You must send me telegrams every day, and if there be cause, I shall come again. The sweet dear, she interests me too. She charms me. Have you said anything to our young friend, the lover of her? No, I had waited until I'd seen you. I wrote him a letter simply telling him that you were coming, as Lucy was not so well. Right, my friend, quite right. Better he not know yet. Perhaps he shall never know. I pray so. You and I shall keep what we know here. I have for myself thoughts at the present. Later I shall unfold to you. But why not now? It may do some good. We may arrive at some decision. You were always a careful student, and your casebook was ever more full than the rest. I trust that good habits have not failed. Take good note, then. Nothing is too small, 
Put down in record even your doubts and surmises. 6th September. Van Helsing and I went to call upon Lucy. I was horrified when we saw her. She was ghastly, chalky pale. The red seemed to have gone from her lips and gums, and the bones of her face stood out prominently. Her breathing was painful to see or hear. Lucy lay motionless and did not seem to have the strength to speak, so for a while we were silent. Van Helsing beckoned me out of the room. My God, this is dreadful. There has no time to be lost. She will die from sheer want of blood to keep her heart's action. There must be a transfusion of blood at once. Is it me or you? I am younger and stronger, Professor. It must be me. Then get ready at once. I will bring up my bag. I am prepared. I followed him downstairs. The maid had just opened the door and Arthur was stepping quickly through. Jack! I was so anxious. I read between the lines of your letter and have been in agony. I ran down here to see for myself. Arthur, I told you not to worry. You are the lover of our dear miss. You have come just in time. She is bad. Very, very bad. You are to help her. What can I do? Tell me and I shall do it. My life is hers and I would give the last drop of blood in my body for her. My young sir, I do not ask so much as that. Not the last. Just say the word. Come. You are a man and it is a man we want. Young miss is bad. She wants blood and the blood she must have or die. My friend John and I consulted and we are about to perform what we call a transfusion of blood. To transfer from full veins of one to the empty veins of another. John was to give his blood. And he is more young and stronger than me. But now you are here. If you only knew how gladly I would die for her, you would understand. Good boy. In the not so far off, you will be happy that you have done all for her love. Come now and be silent. You shall kiss her once before it is done, and then you must go and leave at my side. We all went up to Lucy's room. Arthur remained outside by direction. Lucy looked at us but said nothing. Van Helsing took some things from his bag and laid them on a little table out of sight. Now, little miss, here is your medicine. Drink it all like a good child. I was astonished how long the drug took to act. Arthur, you can come in now. You may hold her hand and comfort her whilst I bring over the table. Friend John, help to me. Then, with swiftness but with absolute method, Van Helsing performed the operation. As the transfusion went on, something like life seemed to come back to poor Lucy's cheeks. After a bit, I began to grow anxious, for the loss of blood was telling on Arthur. Do not stir an instant, it is enough. You attend to him, I will look to her. I dressed the wound and took his arm to bring him away. Now, take down our brave lover. Give him the port of wine and let him lie down for a while. He then must go home and rest, sleep much and eat much. He must not stay here. The operation was successful. You have saved her life this time, and you can go home and rest easy in the mind that all can be is. Thank you so much, Dr. Van Helsing. Jack, I'm sorry I doubted you. I trust she is in excellent hands. I took Arthur downstairs and tended to him with the port wine, and then saw him out the door. I went back upstairs to check on Van Helsing. Lucy was sleeping gently, but her breathing was stronger. Van Helsing adjusted the pillow to the patient's head. As he did so, the black velvet band, which she always seemed to wear around her neck, was dragged up a little and showed a red mark on her throat. What do you make of that? 
Just over the jugular vein, there were two punctures, not large, but not wholesome-looking. Well? Well, I can make nothing of it. I must go back to Amsterdam tonight. There are books and things there which I want. You must remain here all night, and you must not let sight pass from her. Well, shall I have a nurse? We are her best nurses, you and I. Keep watch all night. See that she is well fed and that nothing disturbs her. Later on, you and I can sleep. I shall be back as soon as possible, and then we may begin. May begin? Remember, she is your charge. If you leave her and harm befalls, you shall not sleep easy hereafter. I sat up all night with Lucy. She looked different from what she had been before the operation. Her spirits even were good, and she was full of a happy vivacity. It was apparent that she did not want to go to sleep. You must close your eyes and sleep. You need the rest. No, I'm... I'm afraid. Afraid to go to sleep? Why so? Sleep to me is but a presage of horror. Presage of horror? What on earth do you mean? I don't know. And that is what is so terrible. All this weakness comes to me in sleep. I tread the very thought. Oh, my dear girl, you may sleep tonight. I am here watching you, and I can promise that nothing will happen. I know I can trust you, but... I promise you, if I see any evidence of bad dreams, I will wake you at once. You will? Or will you really? How good you are to me. Then I will sleep. In the early morning, her maid came, and I left her in her care. I sent a short wire to Van Helsing. Again, I received a fairly quick reply. He told me to stay with Lucy one more night, and he'd return the next day. And how is our patient? Well, as of now... Now you go home, Seward, and eat much and drink enough to make yourself strong. I stay here tonight and I shall sit up with little miss myself. You and I must watch the case, and we must have none other to know. I have grave reasons. Good night. The next afternoon I went back. I found Van Helsing in excellent spirits and Lucy much better. A big parcel arrived for the professor. He opened it with much impressment and showed a great bundle of white flowers. These are for you, Miss Lucy. For me? Oh, Dr. Van Helsing. Yes, my dear, but not for you to play with. These are medicines. I put them in your window. I make a pretty wreath and hang them round your neck so that you sleep well. Oh, Professor, I believe you are only putting a joke on me. Why, these flowers are only common garlic. But there is much virtue to you in those so common flowers. But hush. No telling others that make so inquisitive questions. Come with me, friend John, and you shall help me deck the room with my garlic. We went into the room, taking the flowers with us. The professor's actions were certainly odd, and the flowers were not to be found in any pharmacopoeia that I'd ever heard of. First, he fastened up the windows and latched them securely. Next, taking a handful of the flowers, he rubbed them all over the sashes, as though to ensure that every whiff of air that might get in would be laden with the garlic smell. Miss Lucy, put this around your neck. Take care you do not disturb it. Even if the room feels close, do not tonight open the window or the door. I promise, and thank you both a thousand times for all your kindness to me. What have I done to be blessed with such friends? As we left, Van Helsing spoke. Tonight we can sleep in peace, and sleep we need. Tomorrow, in the morning early, you call for me, and we come together to see our pretty miss. So much more strong for my spell which I have worked. 
The next morning, the maid met Van Helsing and I at the door. You'll be glad to know that Miss Lucy is better. Aha! I thought I had diagnosed the case. The treatment is working. You must not take all the credit to yourself, Doctor. Lucy's state this morning is due in part on me. How do you mean? Well, I was anxious about the dear child in the night and went into her room. She was sleeping soundly. So soundly that even my coming did not wake her. But the room was awfully stuffy. There were a lot of those horrible, strong-smelling flowers about everywhere, and she had a bunch of them round her neck. I feared the heavy odour would be too much for the dear child in her weak state, so I took them all away and opened a bit of the window to let in a little fresh air. You'll be pleased with her, I'm sure. I watched the professor's face turn ashen grey. His whole body stiffened, but amazingly he kept a smile on his face. Ah... Very good, very good. Don't mention it, Doctor. Always want to be a help when I can. And with that, she turned and went within to her duties. Van Helsing suddenly and forcibly pulled me into the dining room and shut the door behind. And for the first time, I saw the man break down. God! 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 What have we done? What has this poor thing done? And how are we beset? How all that power of the devils are against us! Van Helsing then jumped to his feet. Come, we must see and act. Devils or no devils, or all the devils at once, we fight them. We went to Lucy's room. Van Helsing looked upon the poor face that had the same awful waxen powder as before. As I expected, I must operate. This time you shall provide the transfusion of blood. Again the operation. Again the narcotic. Again some return of color. After the operation, Van Helsing took the opportunity of telling the maid not to remove anything from Lucy's room without consulting him. The flowers have medicinal value. The odors are part of the system of cure. I'm sorry, Doctor. I honestly didn't know. I hope I didn't do much harm. This time, no. Now go. Return to your working. So what now? I will keep watch this night and the next. Be ready to be hearing from me. After an hour, Lucy wakes from her sleep, fresh and bright, and seemingly not much the worse for her terrible ordeal. Letter from Mina Harker to Lucy Westenra, unopened by the recipient. My dearest Lucy... I know you'll be anxious to hear all that has happened since we parted at the railway station. I felt that I can hardly recall anything of the journey, except I knew I was coming to Jonathan, and that as I should have to do some nursing, I had better get all the sleep I could. I found my dear one, oh, so thin and pale and weak-looking. All the resolution has gone out of his eyes, and the quiet dignity in his face has vanished. He's only a wreck of himself and does not remember anything that has happened to him. He raved of dreadful things whilst he was off his head. What were they? I will never tell. The ravings of the sick were the secrets of God, and a nurse who through her vocation should hear them, she should respect her trust. I can tell you this much, my dear, that it was not about anything he has done wrong himself, and you, as his wife-to-be, have no cause to be concerned. When he awoke, he wanted his things from his pocket in his coat. Wilhelmina. You know, my dear, my ideas of trust between husband and wife. There be no secret, no concealment. 
You know I've had brain fever, and that is to be mad. I give you this notebook. The secret is here, and I do not want to know it. I want to take up my life here with our marriage. Take it and keep it. Read it if you will, but never let me know, unless some solemn duty come upon me to go back to the bitter hours recorded here. A chaplain of the English Mission Church has been sent for, and you shall be married within the hour. Jonathan sat up in his bed. He answered, I will, firmly and strongly. I could hardly speak. My heart was so full that even those words seemed to make me cry. Afterwards, as Jonathan slept, I took the notebook from underneath his pillow, wrapped it up in white paper, and tied it with pale blue ribbon. Notes of Dr. John Seward. I rushed to the Western House with a grave feeling. Twenty-two hours late, I had received a telegram from Van Helsing instructing me to watch Lucy the previous night. I knew what damage a single night could bring. When I arrived at the house, no one answered the door. I circled the house, looking for a way in, but all the windows and doors had been locked. Van Helsing arrived by cab shortly after. I'm sorry, I had only just received your telegram. I know. How is she? I don't know. I could not make anyone in the house hear me. Then I fear we are too late. God's will is done. Come, if there is no way in, we make one. Time is all to us now. We went to the back and sawed the iron bars off a window with a small surgical saw that Van Helsing had in his bag. When we climbed into the home, we found the maid lying on the floor, though not dead, as told by her strenuous breathing and the acrid smell of laudanum in the room. We ascended the stairs to Lucy's room, where we beheld a terrible sight. In the bed lay two women, Lucy and her mother. The latter lay under a white sheet, the edge being blown back by the draught of the open window, showing a white face with a look of terror fixed upon it. Lucy had the same whiteness upon her face, and Helsing put his ear to her chest. It is not too late. Wake the poor thing downstairs. We need hot bath. I'll administer brandy. I ran down the stairs, shouting for the maid. Wake up! Wake up! Oh, what, what happened? Mrs. Westerner is dead! Dead? What a tragedy! Surely two deaths is more tragical than one and we can still save Miss Lucy. We need you to draw a bath, fire and water, quickly! I ran back up the stairs to see Van Helsing apply a few drops of brandy to her lips and gums and on each of her wrists and the palms of her hands. She needs warmth. She's almost as cold as the poor thing next to her. Quick, let's get her to the bath. As soon as the bath was ready, we carried Lucy out just as she was and placed her in it. We began to work at her limbs, hoping the heat would take effect. The maid interrupted us. There's a gentleman at the door, says he has a message from Mr. Homewood. Tell him it'll simply have to wait. We can't see anyone right now. Well, he says it's very important. I guess you'll just have to tell him to bugger off then! Van Helsing and I worked in deadly earnest. It was a standoff fight with death. Lucy's lungs began to have a perceptible movement, and through the stethoscope we heard the trifle of a heartbeat. The first gain is ours. Check to the king. We quickly transferred her to a room that had been prepared, laid her in bed, and forced a few drops of brandy down her throat. I noticed that Van Helsing tied a soft silk handkerchief around her neck. She was still as bad, if not as worse, as we had ever seen her before. What are we to do now? Where are we to turn for help? We must have another transfusion of blood. You, you are too weak. Could you provide the blood this time? 
I had just given only a few days ago. You have? I am sorry, friend John. I did not tell as I did not want to worry. Surprisingly, a familiar voice bellowed from the doorway. What's the matter with me, anyhow? Quincy Morris! What brought you here? I guess Art is the cause. He sent me a telegram. Said he hasn't heard from you in three days, Jack. But I'd say I came just in the nick of time. You know you only have to tell me what to do. A brave man's blood is the best thing on this earth when a woman is in trouble. The devil may work against us for all he's worth, but God sends a man when we need one. Once again we went through the ghastly operation. Her struggle back to life was something frightful to see and hear. As Quincy was rolling up his sleeve, he turned to me. Jack, before I go, may I have two words with you? Just to ourselves. I conferred with Van Helsing, who nodded approvingly. Of course. I'll be waiting. As he left, a thought struck my mind. What will we do about the death certificate for Mrs. Westerner? I imagine we'd want to avoid an inquest for Lucy's health. It is known to me, and known to you, and known to the other physician attending her, that she had a disease of the heart. Put cause of death as the natural cause. That shall avoid inquest. Now go. I went down to Quincy and took him into the breakfast room. Jack Seward, I don't want to shove myself where I don't belong. But this is no ordinary case, and whatever it is, I have done my part. Is not that so? That's so. I take it both you and Van Helsing did what I did today. Is not that so? That's so. And when I saw Art four days ago at his own place, he was looking pulled down. He had done the same. That's so. You know I loved that girl and wanted to marry her, but although that's all past and gone, I can't help but feel anxious for her. How long has this been going on? About ten days. Ten days? And in that time she's had the blood of four strong men pumping through her veins and still couldn't hold it? What's taking it out? That is the crux. Van Helsing is ranting about it and I'm at my wit's end. I can't even hazard a guess. More so... I fear these transfusions are only prolonging the inevitable. Uh, you mean... You better tell Arthur to come quick. Notes of Dr. John Seward, 20th September. One of the hardest days I've known in my medical career. Quincy and Arthur slept on the sofas downstairs, while Van Helsing and I tended to Lucy, who was again fading. She's dying. And it will not be long now. It will be much difference mark me whether she dies conscious or in her sleep. Wake that poor boy and tell him to come and see the last. He trusts us and we have promised him. I went to wake Arthur. I assured him Lucy was still asleep, but I told him that Van Helsing and I feared the end was near. I took him by the hand and raised him up. Come, my dear fellow, summon all your fortitude. It will be best and easiest for her. We came into her room, and she opened her eyes. Arthur, oh my love, I'm so glad you have come. Lucy, my dear. Hold her hand, and it will comfort her more. Arthur took her hand and knelt beside her. Gradually, her eyes closed and sank to sleep. Then I noticed a strange change come over her. Her breathing grew stertorous. The mouth opened, and the pale gums drawn back made her teeth look sharper than before. Arthur, oh my love, I am so glad you have come. 
Kiss me. Van Helsing swooped upon him and dragged him back, nearly hurling him across the room. Not for your life. Not for your living soul or hers. He saw a spasm of rage flit like a shadow over her face, the sharp teeth champed together. Then her eyes closed. Very shortly after, she opened her eyes in all their softness, and putting out her poor, pale, thin hand, took Van Helsing's great brown one. My true friend. My true friend and his. Guard him and keep him. Come, my child. Take her hand in yours and kiss her on the forehead, and only one. Their eyes met instead of their lips, and thus they parted. Lucy's eyes closed, and Van Helsing, who had been watching closely, took Arthur's arm and drew him away. Lucy's breathing became stertorous again, and all at once it ceased. It is all over. Oh, God, my dear girl. I took him away to the drawing room where he sat down, covered his face in his hands, and sobbed. I then returned to the room. Oh, well, poor girl. There is peace for her at last. It is the end. Not so. I fear it is only the beginning. What do you mean? We can do nothing as yet. Only wait and see. This concludes Episode 2 of Dracula. Thank you for listening to the Wausau Community Theater's radio drama production of Bram Stoker's Dracula. The cast, in order of appearance, is Sean Caldwell as Dr. John Seward, Charles Lynch as R.M. Renfield, Jacqueline Newell as Mina Harker, Mari Erdman as Lucy Westenberg, Dylan Sleeper as Arthur Homewood, Larry Kirchgaisner as Professor Van Helsing, Nicole Stevens as The Maid, Sarah Stavron as Sister Agatha, Aaron Kremen as Jonathan Harker, and Chad Lurson as Quincy Morris. This has been sponsored by Central Concrete Cutting and TDS Fiber, with special thanks to Mark Weiss and the Grand Theater of Wausau and Scott Fritchie. This is a special fundraiser for Wausau Community Theater during the shutdown caused by COVID-19. As you know, theaters around the country have been forced to close their doors due to this pandemic. Please consider making a donation to help keep our community theater alive by going online to wausaucommunitytheater.org and clicking Donate.